Hello and welcome to another episode of the Checkdown Charlie's Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Theo. What is up, Theo? Oh, nothing much, man. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good, dude. I'm good. It's a bit weird for me to be watching the World Cup at this stage uh, where it's like December, November time and it's cold outside, but I've been enjoying the World Cup uh, a lot, watching a lot of the games uh, when I can, enjoying the action, enjoying all the upsets. Um, So it's been great so far. What do you think? I've been pleasantly surprised at how competitive this World Cup has been. Mm -hmm. I'm not very happy with when it's being played where it's being played and we could get into a whole discussion about that Mm -hmm. but needless to say it's been very competitive and i'm happy that a bunch of underdog teams have made the elimination stages as we are recording right now i believe the usa is playing the netherlands did you hear about this the netherlands it came out of their like national media right before the game that a bunch of players got the flu so we'll see how that turns out Really? I didn't know that. I had kind of thought that the U.S. could give Netherlands some problems. So I'm going to go ahead and predict a U.S. victory on the record here at 3.08 p.m. British Standard Time without knowing the score or anything. So whatever. I'm putting the chips in the middle. The U.S. is beating the Netherlands today. What's the score? I'm going to go 2-1. And if Pulisic goes, then he's going to get one. Ah, let's say Pulisic scores both. Ooh, that's, we're going to say a 1-1 tie and the Netherlands wins it in extra time. I just uh, sort of have them going far in this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. They've been playing pretty well and they seem like a pretty scrappy team. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm basing my thoughts on past performance of Netherlands teams in tournaments. Uh, where they've been hyped up and then been a disappointment when they get to the knockout stages. But hey, who knows? But as of today, as of right now, we are concerned with another type of football, aren't we, Theo? Yes, we are. The NFL, more specifically, the Miami Dolphins, and even more specific to that, one of their legends, Larry Zonka. You know, we've sort of waxed poetically this whole time over the tale of the 1970s Dolphins, and one central figure to that team was fullback Larry Zonka. So Rizzoli, what comes to mind when you think of the fullback position in football? How many legendary fullbacks are we even able to name? For the uninitiated, a fullback is a running back whose primary role is to serve as the lead blocker for a halfback out of the I formation, in goal line situations, and generally out of the backfield. In today's game, fullbacks only handle the occasional carry. They're known for their blocking and toughness above all else. It's a position that doesn't get a lot of glory or headlines in a past happy league. Many teams don't employ fullbacks anymore, opting instead for the use of an extra tight end or H-back, which is a tweener position known for blocking as much as they are known for catching the ball out of the backfield. The modern fullback that comes to mind is Kyle Juszczyk of the 49ers, often known as a versatile weapon out of the backfield, will sneak out for the occasional big play when the defense forgets to cover him or he burns his defender. The only other example that I can think of is Patrick Ricard of the Baltimore Ravens. They use more of a, a run-heavy scheme. Um, hey, hey, Alec Ingold of the Miami Dolphins. Well, there you go. And that is, he's playing the use check role, right? So Mike exactly. Daniel comes from exactly. the San Francisco system. 
So Ingold plays the use check role for the Dolphins very well, I might add. Full backs matter. Absolutely. Looking back at NFL history, however, few could argue that there was ever a fullback that was as influential and legendary as Dolphins fullback Larry Zonka. Larry Zonka was born on Christmas Day, 1946, in Stowe, Ohio, a small suburb in northeastern Ohio, not far from Akron, which is the birthplace of LeBron James and the Black Keys. From a young age, Larry was groomed to be a tough guy, someone who was not to be trifled with. The son of Hungarian immigrants, Zonka would work on the family farm while his father worked various jobs, including as a bouncer at a movie theater. He described growing up in the country, making him rough. According to a legend in Undefeated, Zonka supposedly shattered his nose on the farm after a collision with a bull. He had set a bucket of water down next to it, and the bull was startled enough to run right into Larry. They said it was one of the few times he ever lost a confrontation with another living being. A three-year-old Zonka was also found biting his dog's leg by his father, and his explanation for it was, he bit me first. Nowadays, I feel like if a parent saw that, he'd be very concerned about the psychological welfare of his child. But you know, back then, it was like, let's just throw him in football. Yeah, why not? I mean, listen, you know, he's got to interact with the animals one way or the other. So just let him go. <laughs> yeah. So he was often bullied as a child. Quote, I just got the living hell kicked out of me every day. Then one summer, I grew almost three inches and put on 33 pounds. Everyone who ever laid a hand on me, I thumped. I became the bully, which is totally insane. Three inches, 33 pounds in one summer. That must have hurt his bones. Talk about a growth spurt, eh? Exactly. So Zonka tried out for the football team in grade seven, but it didn't know much about the sport and became a tackling dummy for the older kids on the team. He eventually quit. One day, Larry was called into the principal's office after getting in trouble. The principal explained the game to him in more detail and he tried out again. This time, he was hooked. Quote, he taught me more in that office in six or eight meetings than I probably ever learned till I met up with Shula. Once Larry was old enough, he was gainfully employed as a night watchman at a local car dealership that fell victim to a string of robberies and vandalism. Within a few weeks of having Larry on the scene, the number of incidences fell significantly. According to Pete Fearley, writing for the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, quote, he never shared just how he accomplished the turnabout, but one can assume he borrowed a few lessons from his dad and the bull. In high school, Larry played defensive end and linebacker until one day he was put in as an emergency substitute on the kickoff return team. According to his book with Jim Kick, Always on the Run, Zonka recalls, quote, I ran over two tacklers before I realized what I was doing. I didn't score or save the game, but I got a tremendous feeling carrying the ball. I was thrashing around, trying to run six ways at once. I loved it. I knew then that I wanted to run with the ball. After finishing high school, Larry played his college ball at Syracuse. According to Freeman, Sonka would bang his forearms against the wall in his dorm room to strengthen them. This would eventually pay off, as he would rush for more yards than Syracuse and NFL legend Jim Brown while he was in college. Imagine having Zonka as your neighbor, eh? When he's banging his forearms against the wall, trying to strengthen them. That's like uh, pretty innovative at the time, because I know like nowadays people will actually go out to the forest and it's like you can Google this. This is like all over the internet. Like 
you know, these like fitness channels and stuff, mm-hmm. people will actually go out to the forest and like damage their forearms against like trees and stuff because supposedly when the the bones heal, they become stronger. I don't know much about the science of this, but he's doing it back then. And people are still doing it right now. So it definitely worked. There's actually a Broncos prospect. I think his name is Quinn Miners that he has designed a whole workout using like farm equipment and like out in the forest and he built his own like barbells and dumbbells and stuff and he's like kicking and punching trees and this is in preparation for the draft so if you're interested (laughs) look it up because he can even be applied to the nfl game uh today not to mention in the 60s some people were watching a little bit too much rocky four yeah, exactly. I thought more of like a kung fu movie, you know, where they're like training on uh, wooden dummies and stuff. But yeah, anyway, his bruising running style was apparent from day one, eventually earning him a spot with the Miami Dolphins, who drafted him with the eighth overall pick in the 1968 common draft. According to YouTuber Jaguar Gator 9, Zonka had an offer from the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL. The offer was for three years and $100,000, an offer that Zonka found hard to refuse. However, he chose to play for the Dolphins after having a conversation with owner Joe Robbie. Despite being a high draft pick, Zonka's career got off to a slow start. This was mostly down to sustaining head injuries due to his aforementioned running style. In 1968 and 1969, Zonka sustained three significant head injuries within a 12-month span, leading to speculation that he would be forced into an early retirement. Along with those injuries came broken noses, ruptured eardrums, headaches, and a questionable abnormality on the bone surface of the skull. Local newspapers published an article called Zonka Might Quit Pro Ball, and coach George Wilson admitted to reporters that Zonka was susceptible to injuries and that the team was concerned for his safety. Quote, it's silly to think I'm through, Zonka said. He came back and proved his doubters wrong by playing every remaining game of the 1969 season. Once George Wilson was gone, Don Shula worked with Zonk to change his running style. Nick Bonaconti explained, quote, I know there were questions about Zonka before the 1969 season. We all remember him as what he developed into. But before Shula arrived, he simply wasn't that guy yet. When Shula came in, he and Carl Tassif taught Zonka how to run with the football. They taught Zonka to lead with his forearm rather than his head. It was as if they re-engineered Zonka to where he became the Hall of Fame player we know today. Zonka was known as the bruising goal line runner, who would tote the rock, bleed the clock, and serve as a battering ram against tired defenses who had no answer for the man mountain. Six, three and a half, 237 pounds was only. Zonka's toughness and commitment to the game would quickly become the stuff of legend to his teammates. Bob Kuchenberg would tell America's Game, quote, Langer and I, would have a standing bet as to which side of Zonka's face his nose would be at the game's end. Because one play, he'd come back, and it's over to the left. And the next play, it would be over to the right, and blood and snot and everything. But it was like having an offensive lineman in the backfield. Trainers on the team would describe it as Zonk's nose doing a U-turn. Bob Greasy once described his running style as attacking the earth. Jim Langer would say, I saw defenders going for his head and face mask because they knew if they grabbed them there, they had a chance to bring him down easier because they weren't tackling him by grabbing his torso. That's why his uniform so often had blood on it because he was bleeding from his nose or lips when guys would try to punch him during a tackle. It was their desperation technique. But come to think of it, a lot of that blood wasn't all his. A lot of it was theirs. What an absolute warrior. 
Oh my God. Can you imagine that happening in today's game? I snarked while reading it because I was like, wow, they just had no choice but to do the cheap thing. Yeah. It would have been an automatic face mask penalty, but the way he wore his visor, they didn't have full cages, right? He would have maybe one or two bars and that's it. So you could still get your fist in there and try to hit him in the face (laughs) to try to get him down. Crazy. That reminds me of that like 1970s NFL ad. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like circulating around the internet. Yeah. It was like a promotional tool for the NFL. It was a commercial that was on TV back then. They basically just showed a bunch of like old highlights, but every single play in that commercial would be considered illegal by today's standards. Yeah. Everything was a penalty. Yeah, I did see that. There are people getting clotheslined and face masked and horse collar tackles all over the place. And it's like, hey, yeah, come watch the NFL. And now it's like none of that would be legal. <laughs> Different times, man. Different times for sure. So the story goes that while Zonka was playing through a turf toe injury, instead of icing and resting the toe like any sane human being would, he would bounce up and down on the toe until it went numb, thus allowing him to continue to play. Zonka is quoted as saying, quote, Some guys can't stand much pain. That doesn't make them any less of a man because of it. I just think my pain threshold is a little higher than the average. Being able to play every week is mostly a case of making yourself play with pain. Offensive line coach Monty Clark said, When Larry Zonka goes on safari, the lines roll up their windows. Shula had this to say. He had blood and guts and dirt all over him. Some call their offense in those years businesslike or conservative or boring. I called it brutally effective, and Zonka had a lot to do with the brutally part. Larry Zonka was also a fantastic source for quotes of his own. Here's one of the many great lines that are attributed to him. Quote, Two bodies can occupy the same position at the same time. As long as one's bigger and faster and going the opposite direction, they're there at the same time, but the little one gets out of the way. New quote. A running back must, first of all, be durable. The ideal back has speed, ability, and durability. Not many have all three. I would rather have a little speed and a little ability and a great deal of durability. It is better to gain 450 yards in one year and be there for every game than to gain 1,000 yards and not know from game to game whether you can play. One more quote. You can't chart drive. You can't measure heart. That's the lesson of not just my career, but the entire Dolphins team. That's what people always need to remember about us. According to Don Shula, Sonka is the only offensive player he's ever seen to get flagged for unnecessary roughness. This was after delivering a vicious stiff arm to a Bills defender near the sideline. Pete Richardson had the misfortune of trying to tackle Zonka and received a forearm to the chest for his trouble. Once Shula saw the flag, he automatically assumed that it would be against the defender. But to his amazement, Zonka was the only one who was flagged. While Zonka came out of the incident relatively unscathed, Richardson stayed down as a result and required medical attention on the sidelines. This is like the precursor to the Derrick Henry stiff arm, but much worse. And now that you mention it, actually, I I suppose a modern day comparison would be Derrick Henry. Like this guy was stiff arming people into other dimensions, man. Like the guy would just work away, work away, work away. And like the battering ram against the defense, right? Exactly. And this makes me think, and we could probably talk about this in more detail another time, how many defensive ends or linebackers who are sort of middle of the pack, if they were streamed into the proper system, could have played offensive football and could have been a great running back or skill position player. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening in high school a lot of the times is the players that 
you know are going to make it to the NFL end up playing like 37 different positions anyway because they're just the most skilled on the field, right? So a lot of people who are safeties in the NFL ended up playing quarterback, linebacker, safety, you know, all this stuff in high school. So it's true though, because it takes a good coach to realize that the potential is there and to channel it in the right direction. Somebody who struggles at one position could excel at another, but if you don't have the vision to see that, then it never materializes. Yeah, like specific to the running back position, like Henry and Zonka to a certain extent are like such anomalies in a more traditional sense. If you saw them, they would probably play defensive end, nose tackle or linebacker. It just makes me wonder how many of those players that are out there that just didn't get a shot at playing running back and could have been effective as like those bulldozer type backs. Zonka was part of a group with Jim Kick and Mercury Morris that would break the single season rushing record in the NFL in 1972, with both Mercury Morris and Zonka rushing for 1,000 yards on the season. Jim Kick would add 700 scrimmage yards of his own. Shula summed it up perfectly when trying to balance out the three runners in the offense. Quote, I wanted Kick in there in certain situations, I wanted Mercury in there in certain situations, and I wanted Zonka in there all the time. Zonka would continue his dominant running style into the 1973 campaign. He'd claim that the 1973 squad was actually better than the squad they had in 72. He would cap off a dominant performance by the Dolphins in the Super Bowl against the Vikings, earning himself MVP honors in the process, off the back of a record-setting 145-yard two-touchdown performance. Thanks for listening to the Checkdown Charlie's podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Don't forget to follow us at CheckDCharlies on Twitter and at CheckDownCharlies on Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms, and don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.